It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Week 10, this one might surprise you. There's a few options here that we could have picked. Could have picked LSU at Alabama. We've already been to Tuscaloosa. Could have picked Notre Dame at Clemson. We've already picked Clemson. So what we haven't picked is Stillwater, Oklahoma. We're going to Oklahoma at Oklahoma State in Week 10. Why? It's the last game of Bedlam. Oklahoma's en route to the SEC. Oklahoma State's really ticked off about it. If you don't think that game's going to be as chaotic and as difficult of a road environment as Oklahoma will face all year, I think you're crazy. Well, there's former Alabama quarterback Greg McElroy. I guess uh, on his podcast, Always College Football, Travis Davidson, he is like coming up with the 2023 Ultimate College Football schedule, Ultimate College Football road tour, picking a game every single week that he would go to and You heard him there. Week 10, he's not going to LSU at Alabama, and he's not going to Notre Dame-Clemson. He is going to the last Bedlam game of the foreseeable future. He's hitting up OU and Oklahoma State in Stillwater. How about that? Huh. Well, um, you know, the rankings uh, may not be similar because I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be all that good this year personally, but he, he hit the nail on the head when it came to the environment, you know. Um, Oklahoma State obviously not happy about um, us going to the SEC, and I think it's going to be probably, I mean, I, I'd have to really think about it, but probably one of the more hostile environments we've probably ever seen, Tyler. Well, what immediately comes to mind when you think of hostile road environments? Tennessee in 2015 is what immediately comes to mind for me. Um, anyone have any object- objections to that? I'm not saying it's number one, but that's immediately what comes to mind. Um, it what else is close here recently? Yeah, I don't know. Florida I mean, State in 2011, they, there's their b-holes out there in Tallahassee, seemingly. Um, <laughs> but I think Tennessee 2015 might be my final answer here, Regis. I'm ready to lock that one in for most hostile. Right. Well, well, they're going to be – all of them are going to be just, just rolling down the scoreboard because – LSU, when we finally go there, that's going to be more hostile automatically. You think about places like Florida. Really, I mean, you think of basically the entire SEC, I mean, to your point about Tennessee, is going to feel more hostile. But, I mean, you know, I think Texas Tech's had some hostile crowds. Maybe they're just mean yes. up on the field. They're just awful humans out there. Yeah. They leave <laughs> They leave at halftime. So you, you only have to endure that for the first uh you know, half or so. Second half, they're already out of the stadium, which is nice. Right. I'll tell you what, TCU last year was um, decently hostile, I think, for the players because their student section spans the entire field behind the visiting bench, which, I mean, they were getting into it with players. Obviously, we were getting boat raced, uh, you know, early in that game. But, you know, it was they did a, they did a good job. It was pretty hostile, but... Yeah, I think I think Stillwater this year it's going to yeah, be they're, they're borderline gonna be, dangerous. They're going to be jerks for sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be bad. I think now it's going to be the toughest road environment that you play in. Does that make it necessarily the toughest road game? 
we'll we'll see if Oklahoma State is better than uh, what most expectations are. But the toughest road environment this year, um, it'll be tougher and more hostile than BYU, I would think. Same thing with Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go there, and it may not be all that close, just because of the. I mean, you you just kind of know what you're going to get when you go to Stillwater this year. You know, you you, you kind of like nothing's really going to surprise me with what happens up there in Week Ten. Right, and they even, I mean, they do have for for their actual like attendance numbers for the size and capacity of their stadium. It can get quite loud, specifically because, man, is it just me, or do they have the loudest speakers in the sport? TCU has some pretty loud scoreboard speakers uh, in one of those yeah. end zones, but yeah, I'm I'm with you for the most part. So they they can get uh, they can get rocking and rolling, but hey, you know what? As long as we start like we did in last year's Bedlam, then we ought to be okay. I mean, pretty much the perfect start to a football game. If we can do that again, then I think uh, we'll, we'll quiet the crowd. I have been corrected on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line on the uh, most hostile environments from the 405. Drunk Alabama lady attacking OU fan at the oh, Sherville is, is most hostile for sure. I guess, oh <laughs> I guess individual, individual hostility, yes, for sure. Yeah, imagine 100,000 of those fans packed into a place heading into the Ooh. SEC. 100,000 Alabama lady attacking OU fans. That's that's the most hostile environment we've ever seen. Like I said, once we get to the SEC, we're going to have to make a new list every other week, it feels like. 817, not sure Stillwater will be any more hostile than it has been in past Bedlam games. See, I, I think it will just because of the storyline that's there. It's the last Bedlam for a while, the whole SEC storyline. Like, it's, it's hostile there most years for sure, but... I feel like this year they know it's their last chance to get a, a shot in for several years, and they're going to make the most of that opportunity. I'd be surprised if it was any other way up there. Hey, I mean, and it's and, and it's all about how we left, right? It's it's Shrum saying that you know we you know should have basically discussed with them first. All that hostility right there. I feel like it's finally going to come to a head, but. It's, you know, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be there. McElroy saying that that's the game he wants to be at. I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be don't good. Wear don't wear red, Greg. Okay. You better be wearing another, another color than red <laughs> yeah, that day. Yeah. Don't, yeah, exactly. Don't be wearing Even your Alabama jersey. OSU fans will mistake it for a uh, retro OU jersey or something like that. Yeah. He's throwing just batteries at him. Some houndstooth. He, if he wants to go Alabama, make the entire thing houndstooth. <laughs> Do you think, like, even though that is the last Bedlam game for a while, and this is a question to you, but it's to the text line as well, but do you think OU fans are, like, that's a game for them to where, okay, well, regardless of how much the ticket costs, this is the last Bedlam game for maybe the next decade, I've got to figure out a way to get to Stillwater. Or do people not care, or people know what that environment's going to be like, and they want to stay as far away from it as possible? I'm, I'm curious how OU fans feel about that Bedlam game in Stillwater next year, since it's not a very long road trip. Well, there's a couple different ways to look at it, right? I mean, there are many fans that I've talked to that say, I just don't want to go to Stillwater, or Stoolwater is usually what they're referring to it as whenever they say that. But, you know, a lot of people just don't like going there, but, I mean... Another thing you got to think of, Tyler, a lot of people, you know, it's expensive to travel to college football games, right? Like a lot of people maybe just pick that one game a year they're going to go to. With the SEC on the horizon, people might say, hey, you know what? 
do we skip going to, you know, Bedlam or something like that? Do we skip buying the, you know, that four pack of tickets for the family? And do we save that up and maybe go to two SEC games in our first year? I think, I think the, the move to the SEC is going to really dictate a lot of decisions when it comes to fan travel this season for a lot of people. Yeah, or they just go to the Tulsa game in September, huh? That, maybe that's what they, maybe go. that's what they save their money for to uh, to go to Chapman Stadium and see OU and Tulsa play in Week Three. I will. Yeah, I'll be uh, you know walking. I'll be probably walking to that game. You know, it's right down the road. So uh, let's see. Sugar Shane in Newcastle hadn't really hit me yet that it might be the last Bedlam football game for quite some time. Well, it's it's gonna be as of uh, right now for sure. Uh, 580 for me, it was 2017 Bedlam, was spit on by an 80-year-old man and a 60-year-old woman tried to fight me. I will never go back to Stoolwater. That is amazing. I I mean, that is a very, like, there's some crazy college football crowds, but spit on by an 80-year-old man and a 60-year-old woman tried to fight you? Was that just are, Lou are you trying are you, to talk? Yes. <laughs> I think it was Lou Holtz just trying to talk. <laughs> yeah, because oh, that, that could be some friendly fire, you know. He just maybe was uh, getting excited and some spit flew out. Uh, someone from the 405 already have our tailgate reserved, talking about nice. uh, the game in Stillwater. Uh, let's see. 918 says, I have attended multiple Bedlam games in Norman and Stillwater. Seeing as how we own the rivalry, I have no desire to return to that crap hole and be around the whiniest fans in sports. Bring on the Tulsa game. Yeah. I mean, see, it's it's there are some people that just, again, will not go to Stillwater. But, you know, I, I'm excited to go. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun time whenever, you know, they, they just go quiet. And we've done it many times. And apparently, Tyler, we've already got a tailgate to go to, thanks to the text line. Yeah, so. there you go. Sean says the boon won't even be sold out. The Texas end of the Cotton Bowl will be the most hostile and more people than Oklahoma State. <laughs> oh, it'll be sold out for this one. Which, that, that is funny to think about. Like, obviously, the, the OU-Texas game is not a true road game for anyone. But I make fun of the capacity of stadiums in this conference a lot. Like, where does the Texas end of the Cotton Bowl and how many people they have for that game, where would that rank in terms of uh, opponents' attendance size in the conference this year? Because what, it's, it's um, what about 92,000 attendance-wise yeah. for the Cotton Bowl? So we're looking at a little north of 45,000? Think about well, that, that eliminates dude. multiple. that eliminates multiple uh, new stadiums, right? Y- yeah, Houston's Cincinnati 40, would be one. Cincinnati's 40-ish. The Texas end of the Cotton Bowl would rank like fifth or sixth in the Big 12 in terms of capacity. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Mm. We can't, get wait. can't wait to get out of this conference. Seriously, man. Jeff and uh, <laughs> Jeff and DFW says, I hate Stillwater, but I'd love to be there for the last Bedlam game. Uh, that'll be great history. Maybe we can take a cup up there so we can capture the Bedlam spirit to open up when we miss our little brothers, a la the final game in the old Gallagher-Iba Arena, or I think OU beat OSU. Yes, that is correct. In the old Gallagher-Iba Arena before they made the renovations, uh, OU did roll up there and beat that uh, Doug Gottlieb Oklahoma State team. Which I, th- well, I did, still think did, Doug's uh, upset about that one. Did they? Uh, did you read that correctly? Uh, did they say bring a cup up there to take the spirit or the spit? Um, was that the same texture from earlier? Wanted to make sure we get that right. Um, yeah, but, stay, uh, stay clear of any 80-year-old men and 60-year-old <laughs> women if you're going to that game this year. <laughs> Just right, a word of those, advice. 
get those in your sights. But I'll tell you what, you know, with word of Big 12 expansion, you know, they're talking about, you know, some early rumors were Gonzaga and UConn as they kind of, you know, look to maybe bolster the, the basketball reputation that is already so good. I mean, Gonzaga doesn't even have football, and UConn football, I don't know what their stadium holds, but it can't be that big. So, um, yeah, the average uh, capacity in the in the Big 12 is about to absolutely tank. Well, maybe the Big 12 needs to play games at the Cotton Bowl so they can have a stadium in the rotation with more than 65,000 seats. You think that would be a good idea? I don't think they could fill up the 92,000-seat Cotton Bowl, but at least they'd have one over 65K. There would definitely be some tarps involved in, in that game. <laughs> this be like the old Floyd Casey Stadium in Waco would have a giant tarp in just one of the end zones. <laughs> yeah. Or a AAA yeah. ballpark. It's got ads up there. For sure. Blame it on construction. Just, oh, man, we're renovating this side. But trust me, there's still this many seats. Hey, Brett Yormark would find a way to have tarps all over the Cotton Bowl but also have a live concert in one of the end zones while the game is being played. I have no doubt about that. Oh, absolutely. Hey, he's an entertainment guy. And, uh, yeah, there would be more food represented by every, uh, you know, the menu would be indicative of that. It, the the DJ or the uh, rapper or the rock band that was doing the concert, they'd probably have their own custom menu. I'm telling you what, I'm, dig- I'm digging the food, uh, the food angle he's taking. Uh, from the 405 on the text line, I'm 70 years old, and if you come to Norman wearing orange, I'll sit on you and bite you. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, I, I, wow. and, I, and I'm guessing, I, I don't want to assume, but I'm guessing 3.15 on a Tuesday, uh, this individual is probably stone cold sober and they still have that, they still have that uh, mentality, which I absolutely love. That is got SEC that do- Got that dog in him. Yes. Got that dog in him. Uh, speaking of that, 4.05, saw one man in Stillwater that couldn't talk. He just barked like a dog. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to with that game in Week 10 this year. No, no wonder... Uh, no wonder Greg McElroy's going to that game. Maybe he had early access to the text line and a 60-year-old uh, woman trying to fight him and an 80-year-old man spitting on people or whatever the order of that was. Maybe he had early access to the text line. He's like, yeah, i got to see this one more time. This, this sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's – yeah. It, it, I mean, it could be a situation where you're dodging spit, you're dodging batteries – uh, all kinds of stuff. Luckily, you see them coming a mile away because there's nothing subtle about that color they wear. So you're gonna be you're gonna see him coming a mile away. So keep that head on a swivel if you're gonna be there. And there's no way. I mean, he I feel like he's taken a a page out of Josh Pate's book because Josh Pate actually did go on kind of the perfect college football tour. Uh, obviously, he was he's been to Red River. He's been to all these things. But I mean, is McElroy actually gonna be there? Is he putting? I his don't money think where so. I think he's just like here's where I would go. I'm not going to go because he calls games for ESPN, right? Right. I think right. he's one of the many. Uh, color commentators that OU fans like to uh, be mad at the Saturday night after the game, you know, but uh, I, I don't think he's actually going to these games. This is just where he would go. But yeah, yeah Pate is actually out there. He actually has boots on the ground, though. Pate loves 11 a.m. kickoffs. I don't love uh, 11 a.m. kickoffs, but I can at least respect his hustle every single college football Saturday. Exactly. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the 11 a.m. kickoffs just because, you know, I can, if, if my team loses, then I can stay off social media the rest of the day and not worry about it and not worry about watching the teams in front of us, what they do to, you know, maybe maybe give us a leg up. But if we win, then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the clubhouse. We're good to go. Now I can, now I can really go enjoy football. Uh, by the way, no Bob Stoops coming up next segment. However, we do have Adam Brenneman coming up at 4 p.m. today, which I think is going to be a really fun interview, Travis. He was at yeah. OU yesterday. 
um, kind of got a VIP uh, look at, at OU's facilities, and he recently had Dylan Gabriel on his podcast. He was also here for the spring game as well. Uh, former tight end at UMass and Penn State. Yeah, g- good dudes, got some good takes. So we'll talk college football with Adam Brenneman coming up at uh, the top of the 4 o'clock hour. You like 11 a.m. kickoffs. I don't like 11 a.m. kickoffs. You may be in luck because the Athletic has uh, guessed what kickoff times in the first three weeks of the college football (laughs) season is going to look like. How many 11 a.m. kicks do they guess for OU in the non-conference portion of the schedule? We'll tell you about that coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. Lock it on the ref sports radio network. You're home for Sooner fans. Coach Stoops here for Van Hoos Fence. If you want to work with the best local fence company and get championship service, contact my friend Mark and the Van Hoos Fence team. Van Hoos Fence gives each customer the most professional craftsmanship and competitive pricing. At DAV.org. It is the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas. Travis Davidson with me today until 6 p.m. Unfortunately, no Bob Stoops today. We'll try to uh, get him back on the show next week. Adam Brenneman coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour to talk some college football. And The Athletic, they have their best guesses as to what the kickoff times are going to look like the first three weeks of the season. Travis, uh, he just loves those 11 a.m. kicks. And uh, Mule Shoes Brisket on the text line agrees with you, by the way. Says, I I like 11 a.m. kicks. If you win, you can celebrate all day. If you lose, you can drink your sorrows away early. So I don't know if you love that uh, someone on the text line under the name Muleshoes Brisket agrees with you, but that's at least what we have now. Hey, I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. I didn't think I'd have any support in this, so uh, in, any support is welcome. Week one, OU and Arkansas State, the Athletic says that will be an 11 a.m. game on Ugh. ABC. 11 a.m. game on ABC, Arkansas State in Oklahoma. Now, these are just guesses by them. This is like nothing official by any stretch. They're just having a, a little fun, I think. But um, they think that OU's season opener, home opener, is going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff. And honestly, man, a matchup like Arkansas State, it's not going to surprise me at all if it's 11 a.m. on ABC. Yeah, I mean, you kind of – on ABC sounds great. But, you know, these these non-cons – you know, you, you get up, you get to, you don't have to wait all day for the, uh, you know, first game of the season for Oklahoma. You get to wake up, maybe have a uh, mimosa or a Bloody Mary, um, you know. Wh- or whatever. just a beer, you know. Or a cup, cup of coffee, you know, uh, whatever people are into. But uh, regardless, get to tune in. And, uh, and, and yeah, 11 a.m., like I said, I could sit here and, and stump for it all day. But I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about the games that aren't, like, you know, I, I would love for – Maybe OU Texas to be at two thirty, and some of the bigger matchups to be later in the day. Obviously, but you know Arkansas State eleven a.m. is fine. Yeah, you know what it really depends on for me um, yep. is what what games are on at, in the evening, like Colorado and TCU. I'm not necessarily saying that that's the most intriguing Week One matchup to me, and in fact, I think it's going to be unwatchable in the second half, but. I'll at least be intrigued by the first quarter or the first half of that game with Dion and CU. That game they predict to be, and I agree with this, I think it's already announced in this spot actually, Big Noon on Fox. So that'll be 11 a.m. week one. So you won't get to watch the first half of that, but 
that's okay. Like other games, South Carolina, North Carolina at, at 2.30, um, Virginia in Tennessee later that night, West Virginia at Penn State later that night. So week one, man, like Sunday you got LSU, Florida State, mm-hmm. and I mean there's some other good games that week, but week one's not – I don't know. There's just not like five or six legit can't miss games, um, judging by this this schedule that they have out. Yeah, and you know I, I'm not sure what conference you know realignment, if you will. I'm not sure what it's going to do to these early games, you know, and the expanded playoff, even what it's going to do to these early games. Do you think Week One will have more marquee matchups in 2026 than we're going to see in 2023. Uh, do you think teams just try and, you know, kind of ease up their schedule a little bit and say, hey, look, we just got to take care of business in conference and we can get one of these 12 spots. We don't really need to try and bolster our strength of schedule with a crazy matchup. Like, what do you think conference realignment and the expanded playoff will do to non-conference scheduling? Depends on what we find out next week, I think, at the SEC spring meetings. If they go to a nine-game SEC schedule, I think the chances are maybe a little bit less that we see. Like, I still think we're going to see marquee non-conference games every single year. But obviously, if you're shrinking the SEC schedule down by one non-conference game, that that could change things a little bit. My hope is that we still see elite non-con games uh, week in and week out moving forward. Of course. you know. but, But my guess would be, honestly, man, is that at least early in the season, I won't be surprised if the SEC starts to play more early season SEC matchups, you know? Instead of waiting until week four to get into the thick of it, I won't be shocked if we see the SEC play like week two and week three league games that could be pretty good. That's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting to consider if, you know, if you have those early games, then of course they would keep a late slot maybe for a rivalry week for like a South Carolina and Clemson or, a, you know, something like that, Georgia, Georgia Tech, like, you know, or maybe even Bedlam or something like that. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see because you would have to move those games up, you know, to week two, week three, something like that, if you didn't, right? Because with another SEC game, like we all hope, that that last week or that week in, you know, November is going to be taken. Uh, week two, they don't have a projected kickoff time for uh, OU and SMU, which is a little bit surprising to me. Because but they do for Arkansas State? Yeah, that's that's uh, OU SMU is at least I think it's a tougher game than OU Arkansas yeah. State. You know, not well, that OU SMU is the best game of the week or anything, but well, and even like, I mean, aside from being tougher, like uh, aside from the opponent, obviously Arkansas State. Well, they go three and nine last year. I I, I don't think that's going to be too tough. It's going to be a typical tune-up game, but SMU is just a yeah. it's just a bigger opponent. Yeah, it's probably because there's more uh, marquee games in week two than there is week one, is what I'm yeah. guessing, but um, does, doesn't OU at least, is this their last year that they still have a pay-per-view game? Because OU's been one of the last schools to have a pay-per-view mm. game, and they can set the kickoff time on that, at least they have previously, so I don't know. 6 p.m. action, maybe? Yeah, um, well, that's what they've done in the past. I think OU still has the pay-per-view game. I just don't know if it's going to be for the SMU game or the Arkansas State game. Like or the, is the it SMU be ESPN game Plus? is well, it, it could be yeah, the, yeah, ESPN Plus, like the streaming only game. Sure. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, not your typical like, oh hey, you got to call Cox and buy it, subscribe to this, subscribe to that. But I think that was part of the ESPN Plus deal, anyways. Uh, but yeah, I think 
I mean, hey, I wouldn't mind because we would get to see, Tyler, we might be able to get to see some lights, at least in the second hey. half. See what they've done differently. And I'll tell you yeah. what, man, I know we didn't get to uh, use them all that much last year, but, man, when those things cool, were, were going, oh, man, it was an absolute party. Well, they, they really did it. Uh, they did it upright once they did the – like the intro video or the team running out on the field in Bedlam with, with the lights. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. But no, the first I, time we got to see him was in that Kent State game, and that, yeah. was, that was awesome. It was, it, was, it was in the second half, and, of course, you know, a lot of the takes initially were, oh, what if, you know, what if the lights go out and there's somebody walking down the stairs? Or what if, hey, you know what, just don't walk down the stairs. Deal with it. ESPN Plus is what one of those games will be on. So I don't know if that's okay. going to be the Arkansas State or the SMU game, but OU is going to play at least one night game in their first two home games. Do you think – I mean, obviously the, the TV networks are, are constantly changing and can, can adjust on the fly, but do you think that maybe with that game originally being Georgia that maybe one of the other games was already decided to be pay-per-view because they thought, well, this is Georgia slot. Then it would Let's be Arkansas and... State then, if that's the right. case. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah you know maybe. I mean? Sure. No, that's that's a very good point, for sure. It just kind of feels odd. I keep saying pay-per-view. It's ESPN+. Plus. Sorry. Old, old habits here. Old school. I, I guess it doesn't feel that weird that OU and Arkansas State would be on ESPN+. Plus. It's just... <laughs> it's the opening game of the year, and I guess I'm just used to that being on a, a national television network. But wh- whatever, does it really matter? Hey, you, no, I, I don't. I don't think it does. What What's great is next year we won't have to worry about it. I mean, I talked about it even when trying to watch softball when when Bedlam was going on in the last series of the year. We got to get on ESPN Plus, and you turn it over to ESPN, and they've got two SEC schools playing. You will be reminded multiple times that there is a reason that we are leaving this league. Week three, Oklahoma at Tulsa. The Athletic and their best guess as the kickoff time, as the ref will host their Tulsa Day live from T-Town the Friday before. 2.30 on ESPN2 for OU at Tulsa. Oh, Mm. buddy, there's going to be a party in the parking lot up there at Chapman Stadium. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there will. I'll tell you, I, I, I like that. I like that just fine. Um you know, it's ESPN two. Okay, I'll take it. But I'm I'm excited. To, I'm honestly excited to see what Spurrier and Kevin Wilson and those guys can do with that offense. Because if nothing else, Tulsa should be able to score. Like maybe not on us, but they might be able to score this year. Well, I, I hope that's. I hope we're not talking about SMU putting up 31 and Tulsa putting up 34. And you have to get to track meet that early on in the season. Braylon Presley's going to put up all 31 ideal. somehow. He's going to be. Kick, he's well, going to kick the field goal even. Too. Tulsa might run 78 offensive plays, and Braylon Presley will have a touch in 65 of those. <laughs> That'd be a good <laughs> plan. Won't be shocking. <laughs> um, Meyer Chevrolet text line: SMU has ex OU quarterback still. He's at Wisconsin now. Tanner Mordecai. I guess SMU right. starting quarterback this year is going to be like in the rankings era, which is basically since 2002. It's the highest ranked SMU recruit ever is who they're going to have playing quarterback. Apparently, I forget what his name is, but that's that's who they're going to be trotting out there. Yeah, I guess somebody that initially signed with SMU would be the case. Yes, correct. Huh. I uh, interesting. Yeah, Wisconsin is a former OU quarterback. U. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, but I think that's what we're going to go with. Sean says Power 5 conference schedules are going to get weak. Big Ten has already dropped a Power 5 requirement. That is true. Um, 
They've dropped the Power 5 requirement from the non-conference, which I, I, I don't love. That's weak. Uh, 918, SEC has traditionally played a few conference games in week one or two. A&M at South Carolina was the first game ever on SEC Network on a Thursday night week one. That was when the nickname uh, Kenny Trill Hill was born. The year after Johnny Menzel left, so that yep. would have been 2014. Kenny Hill went out to South Carolina and dominated, and everyone thought he was the Heisman winner after week one. Uh, he yeah, finished were, his career at TCU. That, that's what happened to Kenny, Kenny Hill. They were ready, man. They were printing up the T-shirts. They were they, – I mean, they thought they were going Johnny football to Kenny Trill, and they were just going to be nicknamed you all of a sudden. And that just – it didn't work out. Text line so smart. Preston Stone is that SMU's quarterback, uh, quarterback's name, by the way. That you'll see. No relation to David. Um, let's, let's, let's hope not. Let's hope not, please. <laughs> Preston Stone to uh, Jordan Hudson, who committed to uh, SMU over the weekend via the transfer portal. Former TCU wide receiver, once in an OU commit at wide receiver. Former, former SMU. So he went OU, former SMU, TCU, TCU yeah. SMU. But yeah. he's back to SMU. He, he went to SMU as part of that shakeup um, whenever the Sonny Dykes left. Because he was already he wasn't it OU then SMU then TCU now back to SMU. I don't know. I know he's ended up at SMU here. It's it's too difficult to follow at this point. <laughs> so much going on with the portal these days. Nine one eight. We could be playing Alabama in the national championship on the moon, and they'd still make kickoff at eleven a.m. <laughs> I am I'm convinced of that as well. I'm not, what Seriously. time zone are we gonna? <laughs> what do they give that to? They they still use Eastern time uh, when we're televising that one, but. Hey, 11 a.m., if we're international title, Tyler, I don't care when they play it. If we get back to a national title, the last thing I will be complaining about is the kickoff time. 4.05, it's too dang hot for fans to sit in the stadium the first game of the season at 11 a.m. Hey, you know what? You're not playing UTEP. Point. You're not playing UTEP this year to open up the season, so that automatically means there's a chance it's uh, at least cooler than 100 degrees at kickoff. Has there ever been an OU UTEP game where it's not 115 degrees? I, I, last year's game felt like 125 degrees. When, and Tyler, I'm going to start. What is uh, was it? May 23rd. I'm going to start the PSAs now. Start hydrating for these games multiple days. Start right now. Wherever you're at, grab a bottle of water. Start drinking water right now because they we dro OU fans drop like flies. And because all they've had all morning is uh, you know a few cold ones, and uh, and they wonder why they're why they're hot and this that and the other. Just start hydrating right now. Drink it's, a water. It's like the first night of vacation when you go too hard and you don't set yourself up great for the rest of the trip. That's <laughs> right, you got to set yourself. Wait it all off season, and uh, yeah. Well, at least it's not. At least it's not against UTEP. Remember when we had that fight the entire next week after the UTEP game? about fans leaving early oh, and if they were bad gosh. fans for doing so. And some of the media got involved in that. Boy, that was fun. Yeah, some that of the media that sits in the press box got involved in that. And the fan base that <laughs> that that pointed that out was uh, not too happy about it. They're like, of course, you're up there in the air conditioning. Of course, Yeah, why don't you come down here? Yeah, that was hot, man. And it was just... It was just a dead heat. There was no wind down there or anything. Oh, ugh, that was brutal. Yeah, tough. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll hit more OU football coming up next right here on The Ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. You're simply the best. Your favorite summer outdoor concert series is back at Riverwind. 
Our team is as strong as ever. So whether you already know us or want the one-of-a-kind service offered by the Julia Chu Agency, call us at 329-3311 or come visit at our new location, 701 Wall Street, right on the corner of Boardwalk and Wall Street in Norman. It's the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. A Big 12 team named their starting quarterback today. Does that not sound weird? Spring ball's been over for uh, a few weeks now. But a Big 12 team, not on OU schedule this year, but named a starting quarterback today, Dave Aranda, named Blake Shapin his starter over uh, Sawyer Robinson, who I guess they were in a battle in the spring. Took you long enough there, Dave, to name Blake hey. Shapin as your starter. Hey, you know, he, he he's a guy, he's a patient guy, you know, no rush, he's calculated, you know, no emotion. Yeah, that, it seems like a, a Dave Aranda-type move. Dave Aranda said, quote, um, Sawyer really progressed at the end of spring. Uh, he will continue to improve. Like his uh, whisper that he always uh, pretty, has. Jeez. That was a lot more enthusiastic. Way, way more enthusiastic, yes. Uh, so there, there you go. Blake Shapin, I don't think that's a surprise, but it was a surprise on the timeline that uh, Dave Aranda announced it today. Uh, from the 405 on the text line, how about this? I hate hearing people be about it being hot. All you have to do is drink water. That's it. And in Amen. all caps, just drink water, you morons. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. Just just start drinking water right now. Like, just be hydrated. Come on, you and, morons. And, just start drinking water. It's easy. <laughs> if you're about to pass out, it might be too late. Uh, Hydration starts days before. It's hot because it's hot, says the texture in the 405. Julio says that Dave Aranda is clearly just trying to draw attention away from LeBron's legacy. It is true. The morning started with LeBron thinking about retiring. Now all anyone can talk about is Blake Shapin, Baylor's starting quarterback. It's all anyone can talk about, indeed. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm hearing just about you know everything about everything other than the actual Denver Nuggets. You know they won, right? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yeah, well, the game was over last night, uh, and the immediate commentary was about LeBron and how the Lakers couldn't uh, win a game in the series. Jeez. Well, did you hear? Did you hear Brian Windhorst? He said, I, ne- I never do, Travis, but go ahead the and most tell me what he spectacular, said. The most spectacular showing ever in a sweep. They played incredibly. They were fantastic. They were, I mean, he was bloviating about how good the Lakers played in a sweep. I'm like, good Lord, Winhorst. I know you're panicking because LeBron is your entire career. The guy's got like three books on LeBron. And uh, he's like, man, they played so good. Please, LeBron, come back. So what's been celebrated more? Uh, how the Lakers apparently played in the sweep against the Nuggets or how awesome Texas looked in the close loss to Alabama last year? Ooh, I don't know. It's the – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a third contender in there because it's just on the same theme. But how about the Texas-LSU game oh, um, yeah, back in true. 2019? You know, they said, hey, man, we were an onside kick away from beating that team. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. How'd the rest of the year go? I did see a headline yesterday from On3, and the headline read this. Is Texas back with Week 2 win at Alabama? I will repeat. Is Texas back with Week 2 win at Alabama? I guess, I guess that's it now, Travis. If they just win Week 2 at Alabama, I don't know who's on the call that week, but they automatically have to say it. Texas is back, folks. 
You would think that you would think that the Texas is back phrase, like just the word back, like we talk about um, saying we're close, like everybody's like, oh, that's what Lincoln used to say. Like, so we try and avoid that. But you would think the media, after a certain amount of time of being dead wrong for the last decade plus of saying Texas is back, Texas is back. Is Texas going to be back with a week two win? Is Texas going to be back if they you know win last year? Is Texas back with a close loss? Like, like, you, can we just stop using that phrase? Good Lord. Well, I'm a little bit confused. I, I, I was led to believe by everyone nationally that Alabama was going to take a massive step back this year and not be very good. Yeah, so funny how Tex- they're hedging Texas like that, is right? all of a sudden back now if they win at Alabama. That's okay. I thought Bama was going to go 9-3. and three. That's, that's surprising. They're if Texas a beats a 9-3 and three team on the road, then they are officially back. That is yep. – um, I, I, I got to say, that's, that's got to be the most popular upset pick that I've seen so far this offseason. Is people yeah. thinking Texas is going to go out to Tuscaloosa and win that game? I am not one of them. I've just seen it from a lot of uh, other places. Well, it's you know it's from the same people who said that uh, you know Quinn Ewers is a first round pick in the next draft. The same people that said Quinn Ewers is currently a top one hundred player, a top seventy five player in college football. You know, it's it, it, it's from all those same people, all in that kind of national media conglomerate. Uh, Tyler from Kellyville. Hell, I thought Texas was back when they got the morale victory over Alabama last year. Yes. Uh, well, sooner back against Notre Dame under Charlie Strong. They've yep. been back multiple times. After the uh, Sugar Bowl win over Georgia? Yep. Old Sam, yep. It's, it's really the last thing you want to hear if you're a Texas fan. The first time or the next time they get a big win, you know? Things do not go well immediately after once, that is, uh, once that's yep. said. It's a curse. It really, I think it is a curse. Yeah, you know that uh, that Twitter uh, that Twitter account, like images before disaster or something like that. That's the phrase before disaster. If you hear that phrase, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a long time. Nine one three. How can Texas be back if they've never been there? Fair point. Sooner Gundy, Texas back. They've barely even been on top. Yes, fair points. Um, WTF? Does that even mean? Yeah. But, hey, apparently, according to On3, at least one rider over there nationally for them, um, Texas just might be back with the Week 2 win over Alabama. Was it national or was it Ian Boyd that said it? It was probably both that said that. They combined on that article. (laughs) Ian Boyd contributed to this report is what it probably said uh, somewhere uh, down the way of that article. Uh, All right, so Keon Brown is heading to Garden City Community College. He was initially in that 2023 OU recruiting class. He will not be on the roster. He's headed to JUCO. Is that a big deal for next year? We'll hit that coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is the ref. When the game is on the line, you need a team that you can count on. When injuries occur, you can count on the one team that... Cavens Group, bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, CavensGroup.com. Emergency repair. If you've got storm damage, uh, check them out, CavensGroup.com or 405-573-3048. That's 405-573-3048. Joining us at the top of the hour, Adam Brenneman, host of Next Up with Adam Brenneman. He recently had Dylan Gabriel on the podcast. We're going to ask him about that and a whole lot of other OU questions as he was on campus yesterday so Keon Brown um, headed to JUCO, Garden City Community College, won't be on the roster this year. 
for the way that things currently sit with the wide receivers, is this a big deal? Is this a big setback or not Not. Not. Not as much with the way uh, OU currently sits at that position? Well, I, I mean, this was not a an Emmett Jones recruit, of course. So obviously if you're one of those that subscribes to the let a coach get their own guys thing, then, then you know – might open up a possibility for another transfer or another 2024 scholarship uh, wide receiver. But, you know, they knew the risk, you know, the specific academic risks when they, you know, reached out to Keon uh, after he dominated the camp. I believe he dominated Alabama's as well. That's when he really started to blow up. And they were willing to take that risk on him and and see what happened. So, obviously, you're losing a home run run hitter, um, but – but, yeah, I mean, with Emmett Jones loading up on transfers, uh, he's already off to a great start in the 2024 class, the 2025 class even, with Grayson Harris. Uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in him, him putting something together with this extra scholarship that's become available. I, I, I don't think it would have been or it is a huge deal this year, though there's a lot of question marks about wide receiver. I, I think the names that we're throwing out are going to be the names to – to really know at wide receiver this year, just a question of if uh, you know a few of those can have a breakout year and someone can emerge as the number one wide receiver. But yeah, it's not a big deal if Emmett Jones continues to own on the recruiting trail. Like if you you get Bryant Wesco this year and what he already has, um, he already has what two commits? Does he have two commits mm-hmm. in this yep. class? You get Bryant Wesco on top of that, then. Not to say that Keon Brown won't have a great junior college career and go somewhere else and light it up in college football, but you you don't worry about it as much. He might make his way back to Norman. Who knows? He could. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I were in Keon Brown's shoes and a, a a school took a risk on me, knowing there might be some academic issues, and I go clean that up in JUCO for a while, it would stand to reason that that would be the first school that I call back. Once I'm looking to enter back into, uh, you know, the D1 conversation. So, you know, it, it, it may just be the beginning of the story for Keon Brown and Oklahoma. It may not be. But like you said, uh, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, when you look at the guys with eligibility, I mean, Brennan Thompson's got plenty of eligibility left. Andrew Anthony, L.B. Bunkley Shelton, J.J. Hester. I mean, you look at Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson. All these guys have a ton of, um, you know, eligibility left. I mean, then you look at next year's class. You look at just Jaquay's Petaway. Jaquay's Petaway might be that dude immediately. Who knows? We've seen freshmen contribute before. And if you do get a guy like Brian Wesco and even Zion Kearney, like those are dudes that can contribute right away. So when it comes to, you know, the immediate effects, I don't think Keon was going to be an instant impact guy immediately. So I, I don't think that this is a massive loss in the long term. Jaquay's Petaway, though, if it was the same situation to him, it's a little Ooh. bit of a different story. That's Correct. the that's the one that you didn't want to lose in this class. Correct. Correct. Got a chance but yeah, to I mean, be a you big look time back player. at it. You look back at it and you say, "Man, it'd be nice to have Malachi Coleman in that class yeah, right now." But, seriously, <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, hey. I, I and I, I wonder if this is the reason why they went so heavily after a, a few wide receivers in the portal. And and you know they get Brennan Thompson. Um, they try to get Jordan Tyson out of Colorado. It seemed like they were determined to take two wide receivers in the portal. I, I wonder if that's the reason or if they were just always going to take two wide receivers regardless of the situation with Keon Brown. I mean, yeah. I mean, they already obviously added Andrew Anthony initially, kind of in that first 
portal phase. Um, and then with Brennan Thompson, you, you add that just world-class speed. And then, you know, Tyson and, you know, there's talks about um, the UTSA receiver. And so they're still after him. But I think that I think that Emmett Jones really would rather have another 2024 scholarship if he had to, if he had to pick like, okay, do I want to transfer or do I want to, I mean, recruit? He's already got guys like, I mean, obviously Isaiah McMorris was in early discussions. Josiah Martin was kind of in some of those discussions. Um, you know, Bryant Wesco obviously in that. But, I mean, he's been recruiting at an insane pace. I think he'd rather have it on that 2024 class. Yeah, maybe so. Like Jim in Arlington says, by the way, Garden City is where Brett Venables played football before he went to Kansas State. So. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some are on the text line are saying, I don't think it's a coincidence Keon Brown ended up there since uh, BV has ties to Garden City. That's some, that's some smart text lining right there. We'll see. Adam Brenneman joins us at the top of next hour. Keep it locked on the ref. Yeah.